Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu certificate to learn more. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome to MindShift, the podcast all about the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Nima Gobier. Matthew R.K. is a high school English teacher in Philadelphia. He's also the author behind the book Not Light But Fire, and he knows how to spark meaningful conversations with high schoolers. In the book, he shares a lesson that's an absolute hit with his students, and it's all about their names. I think every teacher has the one like lesson where like if you're gonna observe me i'm gonna look like a rock star the principal walks in you're like say less i got this that's what we're on <laughs> this is your knock it out of the that's, park lesson this oh easy easy this the one this the one this the one where the kids are lined up afterwards to say to they, they didn't get a chance to share and everybody like this is the one this is the one i gotta apologize to my colleagues like i'm sorry they can't they, they can't imagine. what can i do and it's like like <laughs> I know I should change, but it's just so juicy and it feels so good. Matt teamed up with elementary school teacher Jennifer Orr for their new book, We're Gonna Keep On Talking. They've taken lessons from his high school teaching experience and tailored them for younger students. Today's episode features a conversation about how Matt's lesson about names looks in Jen's elementary school classroom. We'll get into that conversation after the break. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Matt, you wrote Not Light But Fire a few years ago about your experience teaching in high school classrooms. Can you tell me about your decision to add We're Gonna Keep On Talking to the canon? One of the biggest things that was asked of me, you know, when teachers would come up to me, they'd say, when are you going to come up with the elementary book? And that was something that, you know, I normally kind of brushed aside, like I respected it, but I was kind of like, well, you know, never because I'm not an elementary teacher. (laughs) But I feel like what separated Not Light was my storytelling. And I feel like that's the part that's hardest for someone who doesn't teach high school, just the actual visualization of what does this conversation look like. That's why um, I decided to um, see if I could find an elementary teacher who could help with that. Jen, this book is all about your experiences in the classroom with elementary school students. There's a part where you talk about a lesson on students' names, and it's different than the lessons that Matt uses with his high school students. Can you tell me how you scaffold this conversation for younger kids? Sure. I've taught in several different schools in my school district, and almost all of them, there have been kids who have really struggled with their with name pronunciation. Children who's, who they or their families had emigrated to this country, and their names do not fit our kind of Americanized way of saying things. And as many things are in, in my elementary classroom, and in many, it's tied into a lot of literature. So there's several different books that we read throughout the course of the unit and really talk through things through the lens of the books as a way to kind of open the door to the conversation and then make it much more personal. It was always designed around discussing their first names. Where does your name come from? What does your name mean? Keeping it open-ended for kids. They could choose to share or not share. The conversation then grew into last names as well as kids started to notice things about each other's last names, um, noticing kind of beginning to really build an understanding of why people are named and and what weight is carried in names and where that can carry history as well as for your own self. So talking about names can get vulnerable because it can bring up stuff around race and identity. What are some strategies that teachers can use to ensure students feel valued in conversations like these and respected by not only you as the teacher, but also the other kids in the room? That's a huge question because none of this works if, if that hasn't, if we don't start from that point. At the start of each school year, it's not only important that we build that community within our classroom, which is huge and crucial, and we talk about some different ways to do that in the book, but also to build that community with our colleagues and with the families of our students, because we're all going to be involved in this. Even the conversation around names in my classroom doesn't happen in the first week of school um, because we haven't had a chance yet to build that community. I don't want kids to end up feeling raw or vulnerable because we haven't built that space for that kind of a conversation before we have it. So we have to be careful that we're not jumping into it too soon. That may or may not be true for Matt. To be honest, it's the same in secondary. When I, in one of my PD sessions, it, we talk about myths about safe spaces. And one of them is that it's permanent. Our metaphors that we use for safe spaces like building and stuff like that, 
probably need a little bit of work because it like leads to the assumption that you build it and then it's built. But it's really, it's more about building and maintaining and maintaining and maintaining. It's more, you can't spend last year's currency. Like the kids I'm about to meet in a month. It's best for me to assume that they don't know me from a can of paint, even if I work with them last year, because who knows what happened this summer? They could be a different kid. So what I'm hearing in both of those answers is that it takes intentional time and you actually keep spending that time. You don't get to just bank it. I think that's true of almost anything in a, in a classroom. Like, you know, you spend the start of the school year setting all these things up and making sure they're established, but that doesn't mean you're done with it. Jen, you mentioned that this unit takes a lot more time at the elementary school level, too, because you're working with little ones who, I mean, let's be honest, can have a really short attention span. I love the idea of using books to initiate a broad conversation and then slowly getting more and more focused. Can you tell me some of the picture books you read during this unit? One is called My Name is a Song, um, which is a beautiful one of a, a young girl who is complaining about how no one pronounces her name correctly. And her mom really sort of reassuring her about the way that, that names are songs and how beautiful that is. And by the end of the book, I'm not sure she's fully convinced of the beauty of it and the fact that she knows her name is still going to be mispronounced. <laughs> but she definitely has has some reassurance. Um, another one is um, Juana Martinez-Neal's book, Alma and How She Got Her Name. And Alma has, I can't remember it now, <laughs> you know, maybe six or seven names in her name. And the book is her father explaining to her where each of those names came from, um, which is our great introduction into then talking about where did your name come from? Um, and kind of inviting children and their families into that conversation through that book. Something I've heard you say is that nothing happens at the elementary school level without getting families involved. How do you involve parents and caregivers in this unit? At the end of that first day of kind of digging into the book, I will reach out to families and say, we read this book, we had this conversation. Um, kids, maybe Your kids may be asking you where their name came from. And if you're willing to share with them, and if they want to share with the class, we'll be talking about that in the coming weeks. And leave that really open. There's a lot going on with names. There are all these different situations that I don't want kids to feel uncomfortable with. Sometimes it's a single parent, and it may also come down to this child is living with someone who is not their parents who may not even know their name story. I think a big part of it is to make sure that families are aware, you know, that this is an option, that, we, that we're really interested, but that we're not trying to put anyone on the spot, and that kids have that same sense. What is really cool about this unit is that it gives students the opportunity to learn more about their teachers because it sounds like you two also talk about your names with your students. I just really love the self-exploration and the um, showing kids the power and also like opening up a window to their parents' decisions, I think, which is something that's really cool. I get to open up about myself, you know, like I'm Matt, it's boring, there's no meaning behind it, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's because my parents both had unique names and they didn't like everybody always jacking their name up. Plus, Matt could be a white dude until you meet me. So they didn't want me to have any kind of disadvantages on resumes and stuff. So they were really intentional about Matt. And then I went and turned around and gave my daughters two very unique names that they will always have to correct people on. And so it's just weird how that cycle keeps going. Unique names are very character building. I am saying that as someone with a unique name. You always have to spell it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my name has an H at the end, so I had to learn how to correct people as they were spelling it. 
How about you, Jen? I was one of those kids who probably wouldn't have wanted to have this conversation because I have no story behind my name, um, something I still hold against my parents. And like Matt, I very intentionally, my children have names that have stories behind them because I have always hated the idea that my parents were just like, I don't know, it was pretty. In this unit, were there any surprising moments or stories that came up that stood out to you as meaningful or impactful? There's a lot of good stories in that chapter. Jelly was one of them. Some early teacher couldn't pronounce her name, and so she they gave her the nickname. Um, and then she just went with it. We recognized the teacher probably overstepped their bounds. We recognized all those things. I didn't force her to not go by this nickname. Like, I didn't, because that... Unfortunately, a lot of well-intentioned teachers can push so hard and the kid's like really fine with the nickname. We just examined what happened. We didn't, I'm not moralizing. My job is to help you understand things. I feel like every year there are things that, that come as a surprise to me, even, even when I you know, have spent weeks with these kids or you know, have had conversations with families. The piece that really stands out to me is that I had a couple of students over the years, several students, with Latinx names who had regularly had teachers Americanize them. So instead of David, he was David. These young ones just accept that their name is being mispronounced until we have this conversation often. And then they will say, like, but that's not how we say my name at home. That's not my name. But even then, even when they realize, like, this isn't okay, they often would not, at, at first grade or kindergarten, advocate for themselves, but they advocate for each other. And so I would notice, you know, there would be a substitute teacher who hadn't yet gotten this, who's going through the role in, in PE or something and says, David, and other kids in the class, David would just be like, yeah, but others are like, uh-uh, it's David. So it was really interesting to see how they felt strongly about their own names, but that power between adults and kids is still so strong. And yet on behalf of someone else, they'll stand up to that power. And I feel like in this unit, it's telling students like, oh no, you can advocate for how your name is pronounced or what other people call you. And I think that's a really important lesson, especially at a young age like elementary school. It's similar at the high school level too. So often it'll be someone else who tells me um, something about a name or a pronoun or something. It'll be a, it'll be a classmate. If they're speaking up to me, that means that teachers before them have made it okay to speak to them, like in a critical way. In ninth grade, I often am. Like ninth grade, uh, it's I'm like a gateway teacher to high school. It's kind of like, hey, look, you're going to have to, if you don't advocate for yourself, that's, that's going to be a problem. Like it's going to be a problem in a way that it might not have been a problem before. It's going to definitely be a problem now because <laughs> like things are coming at you a little fast. <laughs> things are like, you got to be able to say, I need more time. I need an extension. I need this. I need that. I need you to call me by this name. Like those are things. And so I love it when that work has been done early. So that they come in and that's one less kid that I need to have that initial conversation with. Matthew R.K. is going into his 18th year teaching in Philadelphia. His other book is called Not Light But Fire. Jennifer Orr has been teaching elementary school for 25 years. The book she wrote with Matt is called We're Gonna Keep On Talking. MindShift will have more minisodes coming down the pipeline to bring you ideas and innovations from experts in education and beyond. Don't forget to hit follow on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. The MindShift team includes me, Nima Gobier, Ki Sung, Kara Newhouse, and Marlena Jackson-Rotondo. Our editor is Chris Hambrick. 
Seth Samuel is our sound designer. We receive additional support from Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, and Holly Kernan. MindShift is supported in part by the generosity of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation and members of KQED. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.